0: Hello and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley. Joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Ryan. Good to talk to you today. Good to talk to you today as well. And we have a couple of announcements. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping, things we don't normally do. Um, first thing is, I don't know if uh, if, you're, if you're one of our listeners who uses an Apple device. You got screwed by Apple. Uh, who needed to charge us 20 extra dollars to continue to do what we've been doing for free for the last five years. So happy anniversary to us. Our last episode was posted on September 4th but was not released from the... uh, uh, the rhizome of uh, of Apple's um, algorithm without code until I think just a few days ago. Is that right? Is that right? right. A couple days back? ago. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So um, that's right. and I yeah. So there was a Delizium programmer who was trying to silence us. I, I feel very we got them fired. So. We got them fired. That's what happened. Yeah. So uh, so we, we're all no, but it really I had to pay them. I we I, we had to pay. <laughs> we had to pay, and now <laughs> we had to pay. Right. We had in pay. addition so to our it. other fee at the other place, right? That's, that's right. Seems, yeah, right, right, right. Seems exactly it, to SoundCloud yeah. to, to store yeah. to store the whole thing. So yeah. yeah, so that's so yeah. So happy anniversary to us. Our anniversary is on the nineteenth, five years. Um. So uh. So yeah. So that's one one little bit of housekeeping. Second thing, as we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, Todd and I are uh, going to be uh, we're going to be live in person at the impact that is impact. Think about the way that it's spelled in English, but with a K. Um, the impact festival in uh, Utrecht in the Netherlands and so I have a bit of copy so doesn't this feel legit Todd I've copied it everything. does it really does yeah uh, so we're sponsored by simply no I'm kidding uh that's that's not uh <laughs> Uh, be gamble aware, etc. So, um, okay. So here is <laughs> here is here is the copy for the festival. If you uh, if you are interested in going to the festival and seeing us, we're going to do a live uh, recording of an episode, and um, I possibly a uh, panel talk. Uh, we're going to talk about that this week. So so we'll see we'll see what's going on here. But here's the copy. See you in November. Do you think technology is dissatisfying enough when it freezes, crashes, or breaks down? What is the most dissatisfying technology of all? is the one that works from the 2nd to the 6th of November. uh, We will be a part of the impact at impact.nl festival 2022, the curse of smooth operations, uh, which I think they could have named the curse of, uh, of, of of Deleuze. uh, But, but that's, that's a, you know, that's a separate thing. The festival explores our relation to technology in a five day program of talks, screenings, performances, and exhibitions. The festival is curated uh, by uh, Eric Binger, uh, hey hey, and Florian Vurst. I hope I said that properly. Probably didn't. And will take place at different locations in Utrecht. Uh, so yeah, get your tickets at Impact. That is Impact with a K. Dot N L. So we hope to see you there. And uh, and we are that? not getting anything for this. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be clear. Right. Let's be clear about this. Um. So uh, that is uh. So that is the that's the first time we've ever done that. I feel uh. I feel strange. I feel a little little but dirty. Yeah. A little, a little <laughs> dirty. <laughs> yeah, which is why uh, which is why we had to take a cheap shot at Deleuze in the middle of that. So, uh yeah. but that's the that's the way that's the way that works. Um so today to move on to our regularly scheduled uh thing. We we're talking about diagnostic categories, are we not? Actually, of this, course we are. This is a requested by
1: many uh, many people have requested this, but specifically our friend Michael Downs requested that we talk about mm-hmm. diagnostic categories and we thought, well, we could do all the neuroses and all the psychoses and perversion all in one,
0: and then we thought, that's kind of no. crazy. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's uh, too, too too much. Uh, yeah. So we are, as you know, from having clicked on the episode, we were talking about neurosis, pure and simple. Just a bit of a uh, disclaimer. Um, obviously, Todd and I are not clinicians. So that's uh, even though we play
1: free. one on TV, even so. though we play
0: one on TV, and <laughs> right. and even though in so so as Freud says in Wild Psychoanalysis, you should not take our word uh, for that of a clinician, but also as Freud says in Wild Psychoanalysis, you can take our word the same as a clinician. So, um, b- uh, I say all this to say that like what we're going to do is we're going to go we're going to go over um, specifically with reference at times I think to um, Bruce Fink's really great clinical introduction to psychoanalysis, um, and so Macanian we're going to talk about. Clinical yes, introduction
1: right. to Lacanian, right, right.
0: Yes, yes. So uh, we're going to make references to that, and uh, but again, this is not... Uh, oh, I don't know. We're, we're going to pursue, as we do um, all the time, with like kind of moving these concepts to the sh- social, because out of thinks purview, especially in that text, um, is the... Well, I think what we think is one of the more uh, electrifying aspects of specifically Lacan, which is how he, as we've said this before, different points in the podcast... Mm-hmm. Uh, in the podcast history, uh, how he socializes Freud and brings these terms uh, out of the the clinic and into the social. So we are going to be uh, looking at uh, social reference for uh, hysteria, for uh, oh my god, Why do I, obsession? Yeah, for obsession, to, yeah, and for phobia. So. Right. That is uh, going to be so that's the so that's a disclaimer. Um, yeah. uh, again, as Freud says, we are not here to diagnose you. But as Freud also says, you use this to diagnose yourself, uh, but not really, actually. Uh, so that's uh, that's our thing. So we're going to put uh, we're going to start um, with how this operates in, in the clinic with uh, Fink as our guide. Uh, and then I think we're going to move this into the more, uh, you know, typical social uh, dynamic analysis that we perform regularly on Y theory for the last five right. years.
1: That's true. That's true, right? Right. So neurosis, what is it? How does it come about? That's the big initial question, right? So I think Mm -hmm. all the neuroses have something in common, and I think Fink is pretty good on... This is an idea that comes from Lacan, obviously, but that he is pretty good at laying it out, that the neurotic takes the demand of the other for the desire of the other, right? Like not being Mm -hmm. content with having... Unconsciously, obviously, this happens. Not being able or content with interpreting the desire of the other because then what you, what's the point that you there's always something unknown slippery disruptive about the other's desire but the other's demand is clear so this this clinging to the other's demand at the expense of the other's desire is the basic structure and the result and the why this happens and I think, Freud is sorry, Freud, That was a funny slip. So Fink <laughs> nice. is pretty good on this too. That and was a it's, compliment. It's a, I think that, that was is a compliment. great compliment. I know. I have yeah. a colleague. Her name is Helen, and I type Hegel to her all the time. I'm oh, like Like, dear Hegel, nice. blah 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 blah. And and she's like, you know, I find I think it's kind of offensive. I'm like, it, 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 sorry, it's the opposite of offensive. It's the greatest <laughs> compliment I could ever unconsciously give you. Yeah. Um Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I I think that that Fink is pretty good on this, that, and Lacan says it directly in the subversion of the subject in the dialectic of desire essay and it's this that the what the neurotic refuses above all is to sacra or is to 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 allow their castration to serve the enjoyment the jouissance of the other the big other and i think mm-hmm. that to me that's the fundamental dynamic so those two things fit together right like taking the demand for the desire and mm-hmm. then not letting your castration serve the other's jouissance. So it's it's trying to, in a way, right, it's trying to cheat symbolic castration in some mm. way. And, and I think that's the basic dynamic of neurosis, because the neurotic isn't a psychotic. The neurotic has accepted the master signifier, the symbolic law, but mm-hmm still thinks like well wait a minute I'll accept it but I don't want to totally accept it. I want to get this little <laughs> right. part where I'm not going to totally give into that that
0: demand for
1: or that 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 command of of necessity of castration, let's say.
0: Yeah, Fink has a really good one line on the uh, like one line distinction, but I mean he goes into uh, psych, uh psychotics and psychosis la- uh, later in the in the book in a section we're not covering, but he has a really great line in the neurosis section that j- let there you can argue that with a psychotic there is uh no repression it's all out there uh right for for, for everyone it's 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 a um it's almost it's a refusal of uh of of repressing the, the the signifier that becomes a problem for the for the psychotic that's how he engages with it and i think that's 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 really really nice so what we're looking at with this is uh is repression and right Right. I think one of the I, this this for me is is one of the things that um I think is you know I think even has some some lines on this too about like um a lot of things that it, in contemporary medical science uh we just say is uh, stress related all right. these things are it, it's stress related right. are <laughs> right. are really fall under this umbrella of uh, of neurosis for for psychoanalysis. Um and I find even the 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 way that Freud and the way that Fink also talks about repression in this chapter, I think it's very analogous to what we know from uh, contemporary science, from like from brain science, which is just that like, I I remember reading somewhere, um, I think probably when I was writing my master's thesis, which was engaging with uh, cognitive uh, film theory, that one of the things someone was saying is that like, what we know from brain science now is that like repression is a very normal thing that you just simply, it's just too much to remember everything in a day's events. So when we dream or, you know, there's just a process of, of like cycling down and just like, kind of like, like beating down different things. And, and that's, the, and you need, you need repression. It's a very normal thing. And, and I like, I read that and I'm like, that's what Freud's point is <laughs> like, like, that's like, yes, that thing happens, but it's like, but it's what, what are those repressed things get attached to? That's right. that. That's where psychoanalysis comes in and diverges from this. Like, oh, it's totally normal. There's no. We're not going to think about the consequences of this. We're just going to look in a very atomistic way about like a function of the brain. Something like like repressing material of daily life, and then we're not going to. We're just like like it's. You know what? You know what it is, Todd. It's like, it's like taking a shit, flushing the toilet, and the poo is out of the world. So it's, it's gone. Just, it's just. It's, it's gone. gone. It's nowhere. Yeah, I so like that Did I, that's, I, that's, that's I just, what's going on here.
1: That's, that's exactly right. Can I just tell you? So I once met this guy who mm-hmm. wouldn't go into skyscrapers <laughs> because he was horrified by, by the idea that all around him, coming down the walls, was <gasps> shit. And I thought, God, that's so great, because what it says is he can't engage in the kind of repression mm-hmm. that normal subjects engage in when they go into skyscrapers, right? Like, you just don't yeah, think about right. that. Right. I'm using normal in the bad sense here, right? Like yes. people that have yeah. just accepted the repression, he just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. And so, and he was a funny guy, but I that just stuck with me so much. None of his jokes, I don't remember any of them, but he told a ton of them. But I do remember that he couldn't go, and he's like, I could never go into a skyscraper. And I thought, wow, that's really, but I always think about that when I'm in a, in a public bathroom. And I think like, you know, it just goes down and people know what he thinks about it. And, yeah,
0: and it's, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a makes the the point, I think in the perverts guide, to cinema, he's talking, I think one of our favorite films, he's talking about the conversation, um, yeah. where, uh, Hackman where something comes the, up. Exactly. Yeah. Hackman goes into the bathroom and he cleans it. He thinks he's in the territory of Psycho. So he thinks a murder like that, which happened in, in, in Psycho happened there. And then he ignores the toilet and then he flushes the toilet. And then, this, yes, it, it comes up because phenomenologically what the toilet is supposed to do is to take this material, this repressed material, if you like, and just get it out. And so we don't, you, you, it doesn't, it doesn't come back. That's the, that's the whole idea. And so like that scene, I think we might be getting to the lesson early here. That's a really nice scene of like the return of the repressed. Yeah. That's Uh, a
1: really great point, Ryan. That's a great point. So, so that, I think it's, that's true how it functions in conversation. Then mm -hmm. I, I, I think that, right. So that would be return of the repressed. And then, so for the neurotic, it's interesting, like that, 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 that doesn't work right. Is, mm-hmm. that right? is that right would you say mm-hmm. that's right that that's what yes,
0: happened yeah 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 i would i would i think well and and it breaks down into the three subcategories which i don't know if you want to move on to to this exactly yeah quite, sure i just
1: want to cover one last thing that for, okay. the, the, this is a, this is a little section in introductory lectures and usually things in introductory lectures they're just they're just repeating what he said more elsewhere. i don't know authoritatively elsewhere right exactly Um, But this is a thing he doesn't say elsewhere, and I've always wondered why, (laughs) because I think it's Mm -hmm. such a great thing. So it's on page 372 of the English Standard Edition. He says this. He says, The creation of the mental realm of fantasy finds a perfect parallel in the establishment of reservations or nature reserves in which the requirements of agriculture, communications, and industry threaten to bring about changes in the original face of the earth, which will quickly make it unrecognizable. A nature reserve preserves its original state, which everywhere else has, to our regret, been sacrificed to necessity. Everything, including what is useless and even what is noxious, can grow and proliferate there as it pleases. The mental realm of fantasy is just such a reservation withdrawn from the reality principle. And then he goes on to say that neurosis keeps this, this point is that neurosis keeps this nature preserve separate, whereas what he thinks psychoanalysis helps one do is to allow that, reserved to sort of overrun, come into the rest of the psyche, you know, Mm -hmm. so that you're able to not just keep your fantasy, you know, hidden away, but Mm -hmm. actually you can actualize your fantasy. And I think that's what neurosis refuses to do, right? Like the neurotic never wants that fantasy to be realized in any way. And I think you have a great—I have a— I have a novel story about this but you have a great <laughs> real life story about this I think.
0: Uh is this the is this the joke that I that I told you It about? is the thing yeah. Sure? All right, well you go you go first.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll go first. So this is a, yeah. so there's a Patricia Highsmith novel called The Cry of the Owl which is a great it's a great novel she's it's a great writer not a very good person which is true of almost <laughs> most great writers but uh Cry of the Owl is interesting. So there's a guy who's a Peeping Tom. But he's not a Peeping Tom in a in a peeping top. <laughs> I was way. gonna say he's not a peeping top in a lascivious <laughs> sense. Because he doesn't like to look at women naked. He just he looks at this. He he's not watches, a
0: CEO in a CEO he, way. He anyway, <laughs> continue. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. So he's like he watches this woman in her she's a suburban house with her her boyfriend fiance. And he just he he stays back in this woods behind her property and just looks through her window and he just doesn't he doesn't look, never looks at her naked or even undressing he just he just likes looking at her contented ordinary life and he thinks wow she must have such satisfaction just in these little things that she does like cooking and watching television and he he he's he's been divorced from a really horrible woman so part of it is you know finding the the enjoyment in just the bourgeois normalcy Mm -hmm. and, and then, and then the novel, toward the beginning of the novel, he breaks the barrier, and he comes into the house, and then they start even a a kind of relationship, and, and then he dumps her, because he's like, eh, I don't know, it's just, it's too, like, and she even says, like, you just didn't want to have your fantasy realized, and I think it, I think it's a great novel about that problem, right, like, that we want to keep, a fantasy hidden private to ourselves, and we don't want to make it public. And I think it's interesting, because I think if we think of psychoanalysis as a private thing. It's just about me. But isn't the point that psychoanalysis forces you to make your fantasies public? And if mm-hmm. you don't If you don't do it, you're violating what psychoanalysis, you're violating the process and it won't even work, right? Like you, the whole point is you have to say what's on your, I mean, the fundamental rule of psychoanalysis is you have to say what's on your mind no matter what it is. So even your most disgusting fantasies have to be aired publicly. They can't be just kept as this private nature preserve. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great idea. I mean, because and it's such a great anti-capitalist idea, right? Because capitalist society has no problem with nature preserves and parks and all this crap. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea yeah. that the nature preserve would, the law, what we do in the nature preserve would overrun the city that <laughs> capital oh, no, society's we, not having that.
0: Right, can't have right. that. Right, 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 right. No, that's a, that's a really really nice point and a very strong. Like you can, like the uh, like this is always the the thing. Like um, you know. I think what um, Bolsonaro in Brazil is doing in the rainforest is a really good example of of that is, is that like, look, this is just, this does nothing for capital and people are like, how can you take it down? It's like, it's the earth's lungs. How could you, it's like, because it does nothing for capital. Like, so you, that's the, that's the problem. It's not like, yes, he's obviously like he's the cartoon villain in this scenario, but like what's playing out graphically there is that this, there is no, like I think central park of course is very beautiful and a wonderful, a wonderful idea, but it also plays out graphically this thing. It's like, this is not useful for capital. Therefore we're going to try to put as much things that are useful for capital in or around it so that it will make the park useful. Like that's the, that's the whole idea. And then, and even, and this is really funny too. I I remember had a having a, a student do a, final project I forget I think this must have been in a writing class uh that I taught and they did it on um the kind of paradox involved with tourism which was that like a lot of parks in this country need tourism to like maintain like uh, federally or even state protected status but the um right. the even just one person touring through does so much damage to the right. to the to the preserve itself and it's' Because and it's it's not like I mean, so so I think one one uh, like the immediate conclusion from that is that like, oh, well it's because humans like we just we destroy. And I think what you are arguing is we just have this capitalist mindset of the, uh, that when we walk into these things that we we have not brought the idea of like living in in. Uh, I, I don't know if I would necessarily want to say concert, but just in, in some kind of like. It, uh, some kind of dialectical relation with nature in in the city. Like we don't have that. We have the right. cordoned off thing. So when people go t- into these parks, they're basically they're bringing the city to the park. Is what <laughs> I mean.
1: That's really good. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's true. So, but to go back to your example, your your thing about like the the fantasy m- remaining private. This was a, the thing. This, this joke. Um. You you know as as you uh w- with a self uh, self-avowed content on the internet. You can never be sure of its veracity, but um, this thing I'm about to say um, underlines the point that Todd was making is that I saw on Reddit or Twitter years ago, somebody posted a screenshot of a conversation they were having with a friend of theirs, and the one friend said to the other, just imagine an iPhone screen, right? Um, uh, I don't know what it is, but I don't like having sex with her as much as I like masturbating to her Facebook and i the the res- the response is meaningless but uh, but like that was that's the that's the idea like the idea is is right. that, like that for that fan for the uh for the fantasy to be brought into uh public um it's uh like you you've what you've done is you've lost how that fantasy was replete with jouissance in the in the first place right and, and, I,
1: absolutely you, right right exactly and 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 the way that it was it was kept private in order to cheat the law, right? to cheat the other. Yeah. And I think that's the really the key thing that the neurotic thing, so the whole point of psychoanalysis is, I think, that castration is the the, the symbolic castration is the basis for enjoyment, right? It's not mm-hmm. the it's not the thing that eliminates it. It's right, the thing right, that right. makes it possible, right? Like that's mm-hmm. everything, I think, in that is in that idea. And so, but the neurotic refuses that and says, no, wait, there must be some uncastrated enjoyment somewhere. So I'll give up all this, I'll I'll obey on all these levels, but I'm going to hold on to this one little private nature preserve where I'm going to have this uncontaminated jouissance. So that's why it works perfectly, I think, the analogy with the nature preserve, right? Because this enjoyment is uncontaminated, unlike Mm -hmm. every other enjoyment that has to go through the public, right? Like the... When you're hat, when you have to, you know, whatever. Like this is why I think that a lot of people prefer to watch movies privately on their phone or yeah. even on their on their computer because you get you get to do it in private. And when you're right. in pub, you know, there are all these dis- the disruptions are there. You know, the like there was a, we went to see what did we see yesterday? Oh, the the what's it? Called? I don't know what it's called. The Sam Rockwell murder mystery movie. Okay. <laughs> it's based on a yeah. Agatha Christie thing. Uh, anyway, I thought it was fine. It wasn't great, but uh, but. <laughs> There was a guy behind us who was who was kind of chat not too, too chatty, but just a little chatty, right? Just mm-hmm. not and you know, it's like, oh, you almost like very nice things. Like, did you I hope you didn't almost trip well, you tripped? Are you okay? And you know, it's things like that. But <laughs> so perfectly nice. But it still was a sign that we weren't just alone with the object of enjoyment, right? And right. I think that's what the neurotic wants to avoid like someone talking to them in the theater someone's coughing hearing someone else eat popcorn right if they're just but the whole point is that eat, going to the theater in the group is wh- the only way you can get the real enjoyment of the film right otherwise i mean yeah. it's mm-hmm. never as good just privately and that's can i think I what you, the neurotic can't avow. sorry
0: yeah i want to give you t- so two examples. one thing going back to the nature preserve thing um i don't i don't know if they still do this in their commercials but um fiji water uh they're their whole thing is uh, like they they say this in the ads is that like it's untouched by man. That's what they say, Incredible. and that's why you should get this water because your tap water, which is public, <laughs> is disgusting. Um, it, when it's very likely not, or um, unless you're how did in, that untouched uh, water by any human
1: how did that ever get into the Fiji water bottle <laughs> I that.
0: Yeah, and I, it's right. Well, right, it's eliminating capital from the structure, uh, you know, yeah. uh, 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 completely. But it's. um, yeah, so like there, there's an incredible amount of, uh, of, I, I think you'd probably say like foreclosure involved in that uh, statement, yeah. and um, yeah. so that was that was one thing. Um, the second thing I wanted to to say, I want, um, I'm gonna tell you a story. I don't know if I've ever told you this about uh the the public and um and film. Like, yes, obviously, when you go to see a, to see a movie, like you can, uh, it can be ruined by uh by I don't know, by the people behind you or whatever. But yeah. I, I saw did you ever see A Quiet Place? I did. Yeah. Okay. So now this film is a horror film. Um, and it is almost uh silent in terms of dialogue, not in terms of sound. Um right. but uh the I saw that I saw this movie. Kara can't do horror kind of like you but much worse than you she can't wow can't worse do than me okay much worse yeah yeah so I saw it uh, I saw it alone in um, uh, I think Warwick uh, Rhode Island and a theater doesn't exist anymore that's now just a Starbucks unfortunately and I saw it uh, early in the day and so there was an older couple I want to say in their 60s behind me and this woman it, it was she talked throughout the movie but it was like she'd never seen movies before it was really really wonderful so like <laughs> like I'll just give the highlights which was um in the be- just the absolute beginning of the film uh the characters are in uh like a, a destroyed store uh they're like trying to get supplies if if they right. still exist and right. you you hear and see something like skittering and she just goes I'm going to do this quietly so I apologize for the ASMR um headphone listeners uh but she just goes like <gasps> Is is that? Some, I think she literally said, "Is that something? Is that something?" Yeah. And then there's a cutaway, and it's like, and then it goes back, and she's like, oh, "It's gonna get them." And then we do it again, and it's just one of the kids, and she goes, "Oh, it's just a kid." And this was basically this was the structure for the entire film. So there's so like ten minutes later in the movie, the main character Emily Blunt. It looks like the alien and the creature that can that can locate things by sound is gonna is going to to kill her and she just went through this thing this so th- this woman went through uh, like a, just a c- complete emotional trajectory is that you have the shot which is Emily Blunt trying to hide she's about to give birth and trying to do it quietly right. and so this woman says oh, it's going to get her and then there's a cut of the alien and then there's a, of coming up the stairs and then there's a cut and she's gone and she goes oh, it got her and then because she's a main character if you've seen a movie you know that it didn't that didn't happen. And then just really three seconds later, her husband, John Krasinski comes home, opens and sees her in the shower. And she goes, it didn't get her. And so Kara and I say this to each other all the time about everything. Is that it? Oh, it's not it. That was like all the, i like, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Like Uh, it didn't get her. Oh, do they have it? Like we're at the grocery store. Do they have it? Oh, they didn't have it. It's just like the whole, and eventually at the end of the movie, her husband, I don't think understood the premise of the film because John Krasinski is up against one of the aliens. Right, oh. and he he just says very loudly, and it's like I can't do the Rhode Island accent very well. But right. he's just like, "Why can't it see them?" Like very loudly, <laughs> and she goes, "I think they're blind," which is the <laughs> entire premise of the film. So that was um, that's great. To me, great. to me, the story, and I apologize, maybe they went over long telling the anecdote. To me, it's uh, I I like that story better than I like the film. So anyway, yeah. uh, the yeah. um, very good. And also, <laughs> like
1: the, the the jouissance factor for you was multiplied tenfold mm-hmm. versus like seeing a film in peace and quiet, right? Yeah. Because like, you got all these additional moments of enjoyment later out of it.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. it amazing. Yeah, and I've told that story a million times. Yeah, so, so you, um, you get the
1: joy of telling this story too. So of
0: course, it's much better. Yeah. I have yeah. another one, but I'm, I'll save it for another time. And it's, it's, okay. it's uh, yeah, so um, okay. so let's... Let's, <laughs> I'll
1: let's save, move I'll on to the, the diagnostic yeah, we categories. On. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll
0: move on. So let's take a look at um, hysteria. Now, this is one that I think... Um, one of the things that I think, think is really good at, um, especially in, well, I think in all of his work... Um, is he does not shy away from the things that I think psychoanalysis gets uh, tarred and feathered with in um, regular discourse from people who've just read about Freud rather than read Freud. Like I think for example, Um, but um, hysteria is one of these things where I think the common idea is psychoanalysis said it was just women who You know, like 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 they say, like, oh, well, that's like a a hysterectomy is to take the hysterical part of the woman out of the woman. And that's not like Fink doesn't talk about that point, that thing that I just made up. But like he is very clear that like the there is uh, there's no gender in these uh, diagnoses at all. And, right. I mean, uh, there is
1: historically though, right? Because the word hysteria is even tied to the uterus as a right, right, so, right. right. Yeah. But for, so,
0: psychoanal- for psychoanalysis, as a as a clinical the, practice, right? Yeah, right. And um, I think
1: that's right. right. Like he, like and, and and Bruce even like says he. T- I think he totally we're assumes him Bruce that, now? right? Like, okay. All right. What's that? We're calling him oh, Bruce sorry. Now. Fink. We'll sorry, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Yeah. Right. So we're practicing symbolic castration on the yeah, show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So Fink, sorry, uh, does a the, like he? I think I think your point is really good. Like Oedipus complex. He's completely just embraced, like. And so one yeah. of the things, and 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 hysteria as. More often associated with women than men, he uh, he embraces that, right? He Mm -hmm. tries to explain why that is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Other thing, like, and and I think one of the things he's trying to do is hold the whole period of, like, he's not periodizing Lacan, like he's Mm -hmm. trying to fit all the things together and together with Freud. So it's a big lift, I think, on his part, and. We're not going to try to do that. So we're just no, we're gonna... not going to
0: try to do that. Well, and we, I think we kind of don't. I think it's uh, hi- historically we like, f- for example, like going back several years. You know, um, uh, we, you know, we we did a whole episode on Oedipus complex, and one of the par- our points was that like, um, there's not another thing in Freud's system that is named complex um and that this might be an idea we go into this in much greater depth in the actual episode so i'm going to give a, a paraphrase the heresy of us paraphrasing ourselves um is l- l- that the idea seems to have come uh from the outside that it was more popular uh, a more popular idea attached to psychoanalysis more than it came from freud himself and so it has these um Uh, these these gaps and inconsistencies with other ideas of his, but he kind of held on to it because it captured the public imagination. Um, Or from
1: other psychoanalytic thinkers, even. Or from from other other followers of Freud rather than from Freud himself,
0: right? Like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, he became more and more invested in it, that's true. Mm. The extent of Lacan's investment in it is up for debate, I think. But yeah, as well, we as we we pointed out. Yeah. But
0: yeah, and and that's why. So like, so Fink is pretty. Um, uh, he he comes back to uh, paternal metaphor, uh, and paternal signifier a lot in these, and I think we're uh, l- less so. Also, just part of the like that's just a a, a structural um, uh, function. Of right. mo- moving this to, uh, to to the to the social and, and taking it out of the clinic, so it's not it's not really clintis- uh, it's not not a criticism, but it's just that like if you read the clinical introduction and you read the section and you you'll see his investment in paternal signifier and we don't uh, or in not like the that. mother as, the, as yes.
1: the like he'll say this term m other a lot and and that yes. just probably isn't a term that either one of us has ever used. Um, no, so, but no. but whatever. I mean, this isn't. Uh, I think there's a lot valuable in what he's saying, and, and this is an no, event. that's not a criticism. It's, that's it's a not just a criticism, criticism. Right. That's right? Just
0: a difference, right. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. So anyway, so so, and then he also is interestingly doesn't really. Uh, he he's critical of Freud for thinking about Freud makes the statement that his the hysteric <laughs> in their infancy or childhood just experienced not enough satisfaction, and the obsessional experienced too much, and. Mm-hmm. We're not going to totally take that over, but I think there's something mm-hmm. about that that we, we both think is it has some merit. But I, I think mm. primarily—so I think that first, when you think of hysteria, obsession, or phobia, you have to think that the that basic structure of neurosis of trying to safeguard a little preserve of mm-hmm. uncontaminated enjoyment is, is operative right. in each case. Now, mm-hmm. how do they do it? So I think that what's interesting is the hysteric and obsessional phobia is an interesting— uh, case because it's it's it seems like it's a third that's just added on and not. Mm. N- 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 but I think both of you us you will feel believe- that
0: way as a as a reader of Fink. I'm sorry to, to 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 cut you off on that one, but like just to underline, like phobia in the section has like four paragraphs.
1: from Right, Fink it's very the- short. But even yeah. in, I mean, it, it, what's interesting is I don't think you could say that. I mean, for some to some extent about Freud himself, although he did write Little Hans entirely about phobia. And Lacan basically seminar four is dedicated to phobia, although other things, but a lot of discussion of little Hans. So it is true that when they're talking about the neuroses, they tend to talk about hysteria and obsession,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and but they do devote some amount of time to to phobia. But I, I I think there is you could make the claim that phobia is the is the generic category and the species are. Uh, Obsession, hysteria, and phobia, right? Like that. I the, think
0: we're going to make that claim.
1: We are going to make that claim, right? Okay. That phobia is the main, is the one that is the universal category of of neurosis for a reason that we'll get to when we talk about phobia. Anyway, so mm-hmm. we'll talk about yes. hysteria first, and and hysteria is, is interesting because it's if if neurosis insists on sustaining private enjoyment, the hysteric mm-hmm. seems not to be enjoying. Right, Ryan. Like that mm-hmm. seems like a mm-hmm. that seems so. It seems odd. So, what what do you yes. make of that?
0: Well, I think um, I'm going to introduce our our term here. Okay. Uh, our our this is this is where so we have we have three we have three um, uh, contemporary phenomena that we're we're attaching to each to each one. And so the thing with the with the uh, with the hysteric is that yes, you're right. They seem to be not enjoying, but that is exactly the relationship. That they are seeking to sustain. And that is, we talked about this from time to time. I think it makes a lot of sense to bring this term back, bring it all the way back. Uh, in In the social, you see this the most in cynicism. Right. So, in, in and it seems when people are being cynical about anything, like, uh, I don't know, like uh, reactions to uh, reactions to, like, oh, uh, Disney continues to, I don't know, ruin star Wars, or they're making like, they're doing too much with the superhero thing. Like they're like the, like these reactions are what they're sustaining is a dissatisfying relationship and, right. and originally dissatisfied and, and they're sustaining that dissatisfaction. And what's pretty fascinating in this, like, like hysteria um, uh, in a, a more uh, classical, like uh, in a Freudian senses is, is the, the loss of the, the loss of the master. There is no master. There is no, uh, uh, there's no authority. There's no, c- uh, concrete or complete authority and there, and everything is, is out of control. And I think if you just, if you kind of just flip that switch and you see a lot of popular commentary about I don't know, politics and culture, like you'll see that uh, like one of the dominant reactions is that they're is no master good enough that actually when, when I don't know, a lot of times I think when people think they're being edgy and uh, taking down popular figures, what they're really asking for is for a better popular figure. They are asking for a better master. And right. that is the, that's the, 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 in a, in a social and cultural sense, that's the hysterical, uh, uh, what would be the phrase, but that, that that's, that's, demand, out. that's a stereo play That's
1: historical demand, right? Like yeah, give yeah, me yeah. a good master, you're right? Absolutely. Yeah yeah, yeah. The,
0: yeah, yeah, you're exactly
1: right about that. I think it's really good the way you put it. And I think you know, look, just the just that it reminds me of of so Lacan went to give to have a talk the students at this the University of Vincennes, which is Paris Paris uh, 8, Paris mm-hmm. 8 they invited him to come talk and he gives a talk and the, the students there were not really happy with what he had to say because yeah. it was indecipherable and they should have been pissed. I, in my view, <laughs> but then yeah. he said, a, he said a pretty interesting thing back. He's like, you know what? You are the, he said, you're the helots of the, of the social order. And he goes, and you, you know, the, the social order is watching you enjoy. Okay, fine. And, but mm-hmm. then he says, you want a new master, you will have one. And mm. I think that what he was saying was their revolt was a hysterical revolt. Now, mm-hmm. the problem for Lacan is he thinks every yeah. revolutionary revolt is a hysterical revolt. And I don't think that's true. That's why he was a conservative. But I, right. I do think that in this case he probably was right about May 68. Mm. But I think a lot of the in a lot of the movements that we see today, you have this dimension of not let's do away with or change the notion of mastery as such, right? Mm. So, in other words, like, let's recognize that the master is always castrated. Like, isn't that yeah. the... See, to yeah, me, that's the no, revolutionary like that. gesture. But no, I think the hysterical, or as you point out, the cynical gesture is to say, this master is castrated, and I'm going to criticize this master because I want one that's not castrated, right? right. And I think, okay. I've, I don't know, just recently, like, like the the european response to ukraine i think ursula von der Leyen has been the european uh, parliament president she's been pretty good i think in in, in mm-hmm. you know in saying it's going to be a tough winter but we're going to you know and and then but then the, you know like oh ukraine is still law, you know we should still uh, constant criticism. you know like i i think the notion that uh that's not good or like biden forgives student loan debt and then immediately the response is Uh, He didn't forgive all of it. So, you know, like immediately, the criticism immediately, because the idea is like, if we really had a good master, that master Mm -hmm. would have forgiven all the student debt. If we really had a good master, they would organize the relationship between Europe and Russia in a way that was perfect. Right. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's the you can see this, this, the, the power of this, the way in which cynicism is tied to this hysterical demand for a good master.
0: Yeah, and I think just like tying back to um, our t- just the, this the last our, us finishing um, phenomenology and into this is that like it's really like that like I think the the hysterical the cynical demand is also to to tie into the um, festival we're doing it's a demand for smooth operations it's right. a demand for non contradiction and 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 it, and it is a a, uh, a a like it seems to this is the thing like that this is why I think like cynicism is so fascinating is because the cynic thinks that they're spotting the, the contradiction. Like they are the, like they're the, the scientist of contradiction and they're rooting it out. But really that's not, that's actually not grappling with it or reconciling it at all. That's like banishing it. And it, right. it's, it's foreclosure. It's foreclosing it completely. Like if we like, like, you know, a lot of what, like a lot of the, the, the two political examples you gave is basically like, yeah, but if we didn't have contradiction then this would this would all be fine. That's and right. Like, that's right. No, yeah, you're exactly right. Of course,
1: exactly of course right. would be, be fine. Of course we'd be dead, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Would, <laughs> but even the dead are caught up in contradiction. So, I don't think that would even solve it, but I I do mm-hmm. think your your point is really good and I think that the if you think about that I have to accept that my enjoyment itself is a the product of castration not gained through the avoidance of it, then yeah. that means I have to accept the constitutive status of contradiction, right? Like, mm-hmm. then that means that, wait a minute, enjoyment also involves its opposite, suffering, right? Like, that's yeah. the, you know, that, I think that's the, that's what the neurotic, in, in this case, the hysteric doesn't want to have to accept. But what's, I think the hysteric is interesting, right, compared to the... The way the obsessional is safeguarding a private realm is pretty clear, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's clear that that's what's happening. We'll get to obsession in a minute, but I think even thinking about it in the general term is very clear. It's not so clear how it happens in the case of hysteria, but I think yeah. what happens is the hysteric wants to preserve the, I- the ideal, the constant critique of the master keeps mm-hmm. this, is actually the way of safeguarding the intrusion of the master into this private area right like so the private area the private fantasy of the hysteric is the fantasy of a non-castrated master and so when the mm-hmm. hysteric when the hysteric masturbates i don't think they masturbate to someone's facebook page i think they masturbate to the, I- the ideal right like to the perfection mm-hmm. of like i'm masturbating to a perfect master and i think that's a little different than what the obsessional is doing but it's still doing the same thing it's pres- it's preserving this somebody is non-castrated. And I think that for the hysteric, it's ironically the figure of the master, whereas for the obsessional, it's the, it's the obsessional itself that is non-castrated. Is it, um,
0: is it Madeline Kahn in History of the World Part One? Oh yeah, <laughs> you I you, think you must wait. You must wait while the masturbates. Right, like the end. Right, she almost right. she almost starts laughing uh, through that line. It almost breaks. Hey, um, but I I think that's <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty good. So the 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 hysteric is I I think you're yeah that's pretty good. Like it's sustaining sustaining an uh, an originally dissatisfying relationship or uh, r- relation to you know. Uh, uh, person, people, culture
1: to the other. Uh, I,
0: right? I, yeah, to the other through the uh, like the implicit veneration of an ideal master uh, and and a refusal of. Uh, Of of castration, both the castration of the other and the castration of the of the subject of the right, but never avowed,
1: right? Like that's the whole point. That's why it's unconscious, right? Because if you ask this, Derek, you're like, they're like, no, I'm dissatisfied. I don't like the way this thing is, Uh, you know. Like they're very consciously dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. But the point is that they're they're satisfied with this is what Lacan Freud anybody would say, right? That they're satisfied with their dissatisfaction, that they get off on the expression of dissatisfaction. And we've all met people like that, you know, like they Mm -hmm. just like, and this is why I think the link to cynicism is so good. They just, they love the complaint itself, not the attempt to rectify what they're complaining Mm -hmm. about. Right. Like, you you know, so that's the whole, that's the whole thing. Like they don't, they're attached to something that they don't really want rectified. And that's the, so the complaint is never genuine, even if of course, consciously they think it's genuine.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm that's really nice that's nice and uh and i think we turn now from from cynicism my favorite neurosis (laughs) uh that's pretty good my favorite neurosis that's um my favorite martian i just wonder is there can can you make a think about that in the back of your head think is it my favorite
1: year i think that's a movie too
0: right okay all right i wonder uh, i was i was if you could do like a crossover of psychoanalysis to my, to some anyway, but we'll, we'll anyway. work on that. We'll workshop in, in the back of our heads. Um, sure. so the obsession, so you're looking at a contemporary phenomenon, pretty rampant contemporary phenomenon that, uh, associating, uh, associated with the obsessional. So I, when we were playing this, I gave cynicism as the example for hysteria. You had a really interesting one. And I think this refers back to, um, our conversation, uh, with, uh, with Jamie. Hey Jamie. Uh, when we talked about, um, morning melancholia, uh, you think nostalgia
1: i think is, nostalgia yeah i think yeah. the obsessional is nostalgic yeah and i think okay. the predominance of nostalgia today is an obsessional is a feature of our obsession and i also think that it's funny i was teaching class yesterday and I'm, i just apropos of nothing which i tend to mm-hmm. do uh yeah i someone wrote on my evaluation one time he he, he did, there's not a single tangent he's ever not liked and i think that's probably <laughs>
0: oh. true
1: and then someone else but the problem is on the same set of evaluations someone said well this class would be terribly boring if it wasn't for the fact that he goes off on tangents and that that saves it from it <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do like, what are you going to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> the so, cure is worse than the disease the cure What's is the disease that? that's the yeah, problem the, yeah so that is it. Yeah. uh anyway so <laughs> i i think that the the, the, like if we think about the relationship to the past, that then mm-hmm. the notion of nostalgia makes sense, right? That that they're always looking to this purportedly perfect past that's now been lost, and you want to try to regain it. Anyway, during class yesterday, what I did was say, apropos of nothing, I said, "Oh, you know, I just think it was better during the Cold War. The things were better <laughs> during the Cold War." I said, uh-huh. even though we were on the brink of nuclear annihilation all the time, it was just something was just better, and then they all accepted that they're like yeah probably and I'm like no nah. thinking about it, I'm like that's kind of ridiculous but <laughs> I mean my my argument was that the existence of a communist alternative shit forced capital society to to uh, to make allowances for that mm. even if it and it wouldn't normally and I don't think mm. that's wrong but mm. it still sort of puts aside the horror of people who living under under that communist totalitarian rule but but you know yeah. I mean they're now living well, under an authoritarian rule that's maybe just as bad or worse. So who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I think my I th- point is I think I, I'm a good obsessional. I acted in a, I acted with perfect nostalgia yesterday. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think it's true, right? The obsessional the this notion of the nature preserve is really evident in the case of the obsessional, right? They never want, mm-hmm. like that guy in Cry of the Owl, they never want their, they never want to sneak over into their that their fantasy bleed over into their real life at all. So they have a private mm-hmm. masturbatory life and then they set it doesn't have to involve literal masturbation. And then they <laughs> separate that off from their public life where they're engaged and talking. And what's what's and this is why I'm a good obsessional is that they're able to talk about the most private things publicly mm-hmm. because they sustain a psychic divide between their investment in the thing privately and their public discussion of them, right? So mm-hmm. they never—even They ne- even they can be talking about the most, I don't know, uh, offensive, lascivious things, and they never do it in a way that offends or makes the other upset, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Lacan, this is in Seminar 2, he says, the obsessional effaces its pleasure so as not to arouse the anger of its master. And then he says, Seminar 5, he says— The obsessional is always in the process of asking permission. And I think those two Hmm. really get at this, what the obsessional is about, right? Like, it's about deferring to the master on this, in in a public way, in order to hold this little private realm where (laughs) the master's not going to intrude, and I have this uncastrated jouissance, and no one's going to bother me, right? So So I I don't know, that... Yeah, go
0: ahead. I like, no, I like this. Can you, can you make the, can you make the tie to me? Where is, where is the, um, where's the nostalgic always asking for permission?
1: That's interesting. I didn't think about that. So, uh, maybe it doesn't hold up in that sense, but I was just going to, I mean, I guess the reason I made the connection in the first place, and maybe I'll talk through this and it'll make sense, that yeah, both yeah. were, both are looking backwards to a, a remembrance of things better. Right. And even if they, mm-hmm. of course, they weren't better, but they remember them as better. And then the point is, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, I think that way, I think it's this, it's this that the nostalgic thinks I'm not, I'm not even going to worry about intervening in the contemporary world mm-hmm. because I'm focused on this past where things, times were better. Right. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's where, that's where there's not this sense of, I'm going to really, I'm going to try to change the world. And I think that's why that nostalgia is a safe mm-hmm. uh, attitude, right? Like it doesn't. I, yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, no, I think I, well, I I have a I have a different, I like good. that. I have a different answer. I wonder what you think about good. it. Good, good. I, th- I think this is where the social dimension is required. Because, especially talking about nostalgia, is that I think okay. where the permission is being asked is, For everybody else. Like, like you, you notice that, like, I I think it's interesting how social, uh, coalesces around, uh, like certain ideas. So like you offered the cold war as the, as this time that was better as your nostalgic thing. I think more rampant in is the, I I mean, Chuck Klosserman wrote a whole book, not, he wrote a book in the obsessional mode, not critiquing it or criticizing it. Like he 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 wasn't critiquing it. Oh no 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 no! He was talking about like how great the '90s were, like 90s, and and yeah. like '99 was like this was perfect, like like that. And I think that's the that's the nostalgic fantasy. That's not a MAGA fantasy, right? Uh, right. A nostalgic MAGA fantasy. Uh, and 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 so I think it, that that's where that's where the permission comes in. It's for the social, like like you you need a more than. If it's just one person, if you're just nostalgic about like the one thing, like it's always has to be like a kind of like a kind of like a wider experience, like being a child or like or this, it's it's sometime in the past that has to uh, touch in a in in a way to other people. So that's where I would say the permission. Yeah, that's really good. It it needs that kind of social thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If
1: we just thought about it in terms of the movies, though, he's right. He's right. Mm. I mean, it's not like obsession, whatever, nostalgia, but he's just right. You know, doesn't he? Like, do the you, 90s yeah. were the... They oh, were probably oh, in terms of movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I see what the you greatest. mean. When you,
0: said he, when you said he, I, I thought you meant Lacan. I, but you mean no, I meant Klosterman.
1: Like, yeah. Like, I just think, like, okay, he's wrong about it as an ex, as a time of experience and blah, blah, blah. But in terms mm-hmm. of the movies, I don't know. I don't think... I, I, what would you argue? Would it be the fifties maybe that you would argue? I don't
0: know. We went through this. I, I'm a convert Todd's take. We have to do a whole, up, whole episode on this to sustain the argument, but Todd's take just for everybody is that 1999 is the greatest year in cinema history. Yeah. He thinks the closest only other year is 41. I think we went through that. Yeah. Um, but you're you're very concerned. So we've already talked about this, right. You right. and I have talked about it t- to each other because we have a life outside the podcast uh, w- uh, and friendship, but not on the show.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Good. So I, yeah. I I I I knew that I had talked with you about this. So I thought <laughs> yes. I was losing my mind. uh no. <laughs> but that's that okay. So yeah, that's we should do a nineteen ninety-nine podcast because that's pretty cool. But um yeah, that is my take, exactly. And I think mm-hmm. it's although it's hard, I and this is why I think you chose that other year. On purpose, it's hard to have a year in which Citizen Kane wasn't made be the best year for cinema, right?
0: Yeah. Well, can I tell you though? This, um, did I, I don't think I told you this. I finally saw Top Gun Maverick, which I have been calling Citizen Plane. Uh, I loved it. I thought that that's, it's uh, very
1: good, isn't it? Yeah, it's
0: very good. Yeah. It's not on the level of. I, I'm just kind of tongue in cheek, but uh, please call it Citizen Plane. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, yeah. In your regular lives, listeners. You yeah. Have
1: no, I mean it's You know, the thing is about Cruz, Like he's he seems like a not. Great guy with all the Scientology crap, but mm-hmm. but he tends to pick projects that are pretty good. And you know, i i I thought I thought it was quite. I thought the first Top Gun is not so good, but Ugh. the sequel, you the wound sequel's me. Pre- Yeah. Oh, you love the first one.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, it's just. I mean, I think it's so like it's just a, uh, uh, like I I love that like in in like this this movie. It just seems i know this is not possible but it just seems like when it was made the first like 10 minutes and just how sweaty like all the men are that yeah. some executive was like i'm worried people will think this is a gay film and so then suddenly there are women and but then after that is the volleyball scene like i love it so yeah. i love that so much yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's. i mean it's um, really
1: kind of a male melodrama
0: right like yeah that,
1: there's a little fair. some action thrown in but not much yeah. really yeah,
0: yeah, M- melodrama. I mean, yeah, the only yeah.
1: thing—the only thing I don't like about the new Top Gun is that the the, the climactic uh, attack on—is it on North Korea? I don't know who it's on. That's on North yeah. Korea.
0: Yeah, um, you know, interestingly, Russia is—I th- I think it's Russia—is the only country, actual country, that has the uh, the planes that oh. they talk about in the film. So, yeah, but they never so would have done it to Russia, obviously. But no. Russia
1: doesn't fit in other ways, right? Because it's, yeah. it has to be a country that doesn't yet have nuclear capacity, but is, sure. is trying to gain it. Anyway, um, yeah. the only thing I didn't like is kind of like st- it's they copied from Star Wars. You know, like they got to go down this little corridor and then go up. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> oh, yeah. So visually. It, it Visual, yeah, the, just, yeah. Like the yeah. trench run, that kind of Yeah, thing. the trench That's run. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No. No. That's pretty good. I mean, I think Cruz is a good example. Just to tie this back, so this is not a tangent, doesn't go anywhere. I think Cruz is an obsessional because what he do you know he made everybody go through like G force training. I know. I know. He
1: really isn't. He's a great obsessional, isn't he? He he really. That's a and and the fact that he broke his leg in filming one one of those Mission Impossible things and then continued the shot right and then he he. To do the parachute jumping scene in what was it, Rogue Nation or one of those? Mm-hmm. He 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 jumped out of he did like fifty jumps out of the plane to make sure he mm-hmm. could do it. Correct? Yeah, I mean it's perfect. Yeah. he's a perfect obsessional well, and and like and no and one Citizen
0: Plane Citizen Plane is a perfect nostalgic film. Also,
1: yes, that's right. So that that definitely ties it together. And I think it's interesting because he although he kind of plays a what kind of character does he play in
0: Top Gun? In Maverick or the in Yeah,
1: both? well Maverick, first of all. Yeah.
0: Oh, I think
1: he's Is he an obsessional there? It's hard to no, say. No,
0: no. well he's I, I think he's a um I think he's a cynic, actually. I think he's a hysteric.
1: He's a hysteric. I that's what I was gonna say too, because yeah. the other thing, he, he's always challenging the master, right? Like right. that's like the master says don't do this. He does he's like, Oh, we'll just do this one little last run. I mean the film begins with his Yes. Hysterical acting, right? Well, so, and
0: and also his refusal to be in a position of mastery himself because he thinks that will, uh, right. well, that will what? That will that will well um, that well it, it that well, will I expose think, his castration. Ex, I, I guess well, it exposes the yeah. master's castration. Yes, Isn't that why the castration?
1: hysteric refuses ever to be a master her himself because it exposes. Like, the person would know, obviously, you know your own castration, and so if you're the master, then you know that you, the castration becomes obvious. So I think that's yeah. why, the, that's why the, the no hysteric will ever become a master. The obsession, for other reasons, because the obsessional can't keep their private realm if they're in the position of mastery, right?
0: Just as a personal example, when I started teaching at UVM, like, I was just—I I don't know how old I was when I started grad school, um, when we met. That's the, that is the reason why I have a beard. Really, I, Yeah. I thought, cause I have a, I have a, uh, a, a tall infant's face. Um, and I think I, I thought I would look way too young and not look like I had any authority whatsoever. So that's when I decided, like when I, after I got accepted and I was still working at Walmart, this was my, my, uh, my, I took like, I don't know, four or five months or whatever to, to grow the beard. And then when I taught to double down on the castration that I was refusing to, uh, to avow. I also wore, I also wore t- uh, the classic kind of like tweed jacket. I don't do this. Oh, anymore, wow. I, r-
1: I remember I you just, always wearing a jacket. Yeah.
0: I did always have the jacket. Yeah. Cause I just, I didn't, I, 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 I think that we, we, I think we mentioned this, uh, many, many, many episodes ago, but like the, the contemporary, like, like Fink says, a lot of things we say are s- stress related, but are better, um, explained, uh, through, uh, a psychoanalytic, uh, engagement with, Diagnosis. Um, The contemporary idea is um, imposter syndrome, but it's, it's really this, it's, it's this, uh, um, I don't know, a fear, this avoidance of one's castration. Like that's right. Right. That's what that is. But also, but, and then also the idea, because then, because this is the other thing too, is that I don't, I don't know that anybody gets into teaching without having an influential teacher in their life. Like previously, I'm not, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that ever happens. So, it, if it's suddenly you and you're just an idiot and you don't know what you're doing and you're, ca- yeah. then that means so d- were your heroes right. were, are right. the same it's brutal. and that's it's brutal. way too much. Yeah. yeah. It's brutal. Yeah.
1: It's brutal. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. And I think that I want to just come back to the citizen plane example. It's such a great <laughs> title for you. I mean, <laughs> Thank you. they should have called it that. It's, I mean, what the hell they are they sure. thinking? Well,
0: it's because I saw, I saw, I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I saw that when I was uh, in California, I saw an ad on TV and it, I don't know who they were quoting. I'm just going to say it was Peter Travers. It probably wasn't him, but I think he's prone to this kind of uh, language. Um, it, it, it would just the, it said one of the greatest films ever made was <laughs> in the commercial. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, there's no, like I'm <laughs> sure it's good and I'm going to enjoy it, but I don't know that. So that's when I started calling it Citizen Plane. But, I anyway.
1: see. but then yeah. you saw it and you were like, hey,
0: I, I, loved I could it. see I, it. I, I, I could see there's it. There's no right, reason right. To, to not call it that. Absolutely. Right. Not anyway, not I,
1: I yeah. think what's interesting is, the obsessional fantasizes about themselves as a hysteric and hmm. it doesn't it fit nicely with the film. So Cruz is the <laughs> obsessional actor who plays oh. in the fantasy world of the film, the hysterical guy, That's you nice. know, I think because I like because, that a lot That's because, because in the film, Cruz, you know, he never obeys, just directly obeys an order, but in, mm-hmm. In in real life, as an actor, he's like an Eagle Scout on the set, right? Like oh, he yeah. he's yeah. like, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and even more, right? Like he'll yeah. like. He's, he's a he's a, per- he's a right, right. So yeah. it's an it's a fascinating example of that the way that dynamic works. I think because the in the fantasy, the obsessional can only find enjoyment by mm. fantasizing themselves, fantasizing the hysterics' enjoyment, right? Like that's. So it's yeah so I think that's a re- that's one of the nice ways those two categories interact, line up, relate to each other. Yeah.
0: That's really well you're right because they do have the um the this this close relationship because it's like uh, th- I think this is the the relationship we're trying to to tie between them is that the hysteric tries to preserve an originally dissatisfying relationship and the obsessional tries to preserve an originally satisfying relationship. That was right. And in uh, again, on the one hand, with the the hysteric, it's um, uh, holding up an uh, an ideal that does not exist, and then on the side of the obsessional with nostalgia, it's imagining an ideal idealistic time that you know did not happen. Like it's one of the things. Like even pe- even people who are critical of this in me- in in media studies, like I I, I I it gives me like a twitch. And I mean, not not really, uh, but like it gives me like a twitch in, in my eye when I read people talk about. The um, like the idea. Idealistic... chief inspector
1: Dreyfus is that how you like chief
0: inspector <laughs> Dreyfus? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After um, in what movie does he develop that twitch? Uh, that... I think
1: it's I think it's return, 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 of, the return of the pink,
0: panther. Yeah. Boy, we've got a lot of lessons this this way. Uh, I episode. know. How do you choose between return
1: of the pink panther and the conversation? And <laughs> <In laughs> the
0: conversation or citizen plane? I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I don't know what you it's do. Tough. But yeah. so it, it, I people write a lot about um the like the idealism and like this fake idealism of like uh, the television from the 1950s, like it was giving this false impression of domestic life in America. And I I rarely see people when they're criticizing that also point out that was the announced point because it was after world war two and TV is the center and in everyone's living room, especially at that time. And you're resettling GIs and a traumatized nation to, to try to, to something stable. Like, that's what it was trying to do. It was a balm, you know. It, it, it this over over everything, right. and and so not so criticizing it for giving the idealistic view that misses the point. Like it's 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 not that it's trying to give an idealistic view of America. It's trying to avoid trauma. It's trying very very hard to avoid contradiction like that's what the right. problem is right. w- with right. it. it you're gonna go back it's it's yeah, not absolutely. that it was th- yeah so it's yes it was misogynistic and and and, 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 and homophobic and, yeah. and racist yeah. and all those right. things but it, like it was that in service of avoiding contradiction and trauma like that's right. that's what we're going on there absolutely right absolutely right
1: so we go from the connection between yes obsession and hysteria to the category that always gets short shrift, but we want to say we're going to give it short shrift too. But, but, but while we no, do, no, we can go. Let's let's. No, we can spend some time hour. on it. Sure, yeah. I'm just was kidding. Actually, no, no. Uh, we want to say it is the the uh, it is neurosis as such, right? And so mm-hmm. I think phobia is pretty interesting. I think the standard reading of phobia thinks that it is to attempting to prop up, like it's it's responding to the weakness in the symbolic law and is trying mm-hmm. to prop it up by using whatever animals or whatever to, to do the propping, right. To say, Oh, that, that's not, this will also help. This is another side of the law. It's this animal. That's why I'm afraid of it. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm particular. like I'm afraid of dogs. So that's a, uh, and what's funny to me is no dog owner can believes it's really true. You know, like I'm yeah, I'm on a yeah, walk yeah, yeah. and the dog owner they're like, oh, it's a this is a nice dog, this is a nice <laughs> dog. They always say that. I'm like, uh, I don't care, I don't care how nice <laughs> it is. I do not want it near me, uh, especially but, if it's a nice
0: dog. That, especially say that. Uh, the nice dogs that. are the worst, right? You're especially it's like the nice of dogs.
1: It's like uh, it's like. Have you seen Promising Young Woman? No, I haven't seen it. The, uh, well, her point is she takes the night. She goes. She acts like she's really drunk at a bar oh. late at night, oh, okay. and there's like a guy that wants to take advantage of her. And then there's the nice guy who's like, oh, I'll take you home. And then he, it's all the nice guy then wants to sleep with her. And then she like beats them up or something. So right, right, it's, right. it's great is even the nice guys, that's how I feel about dogs. The nice ones are actually the Especially worst. The nice um, yeah. Especially, so,
0: well, or, or to go back to Patricia Highsmith example, the uh, like, it's, it's always the ethical peeping Tom that's going to be the worst.
1: That's the worst. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cause he'll, he'll, the, the real, the, the unethical peeping Tom will actually come in and uh, have a relationship with you, but right, <laughs> the, right, 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 the, right. the ethical one will not do that. Anyway, so I think mm-hmm. that the, I think like phobia is the, I think for one thing, that general idea of how phobia works is wrong. I think that mm-hmm. the point is the phobic uh, finds, the, let's just take the dog example. Like the phobic yeah, take the dog looks at the dog and says, and it feels fear, right? But why yeah. is there fear for the dog? Because the phobic feels, experiences, I think, enjoyment, jouissance in the dog, and that's what it retreats from. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way of, like, so rather than propping up the symbolic law, phobia actually makes clear in an almost direct way, except the, the enjoyment gets inverted into fear. Right, which is a mm-hmm. common. I think it's a common psychoanalytic that inversion. It happens all the time, right? Like Freud mm-hmm. doesn't Freud give the example? I think this is in the, in the uh, Schraber book where he says, you know, I don't love. He's talking about the way uh, homosexuality is disavowed, and he's like, I don't love uh, a man. I love a lot of women, and so like mm-hmm. the someone who's repressing right. their. Gay sexuality has sex with tons of women in order to prove to themselves, right? Like, and this is—I mm-hmm. think this is the same thing with the with phobic object, right? Like your mm-hmm. your fear of it is because you're—it's really you, a site of incredible enjoyment for you. And I think that's—and so it, it makes
0: also makes sense with Top Gun, by the way. It does, it does make sense with
1: Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, so I think that's the. So I think phobia, and, and if you think of it that way then it provides the model in an almost clear way for all the way all enjoyment the way all his neurotic enjoyment functions as this preserve kept apart from from the so like why would the paternal like i'm afraid of the dog i don't need mm-hmm. the law to come in and interdict my relation to the dog sure. right like that so you really the phobic the phobic subject really is putting one over on or at least imagines that it is putting one over mm-hmm. on the law, right? Because you don't, the law doesn't need to, you don't nothing to be nothing to be concerned with here. It's just total, right. just a fear of the dog. No worries, just keep on going, Mister mm-hmm. Officer, Mister Officer. So you right?
0: know, you know the secret that it is dangerous, especially the nice dogs,
1: right? Right.
0: So that yeah, interesting. Yeah. So that's interesting. So um, especially and and you can see that because I think in in neurosis uh maybe more generally is uh, an attempt to obey the law, but harder, but it's not the, like the literal law. I don't think it's some other, like it would be the cynical law or the nostalgic right. law, or in right. this case, you know, the, 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 phobic law, like you, you have to adhere to that, but not just adhere to that. Like you have to do it harder. You like double down the, on it. Right. You have to double down like me right. wearing the jacket and growing. The right.
1: Beard. Like you double yeah. down. You didn't just do I the, the beard. Down. You want the jacket the, too.
0: Got to, got to do the jacket too. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, but I think, the,
1: yeah, I think we want to. The, the other thing we want to connect phobia to, and this is the, maybe the most obvious one as well, right? Like mm. that, because the the actual words exist. So, Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. I, 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 is there another racial? I don't think there's another racial one, but uh, certainly like transphobia, homophobia. For sure. For
0: but sure. I think we want to you say mean another racial one that's used commonly. That's that's what you mean,
1: right? I don't think there is. Is there? Yeah. Other than I don't. You know, I, I
0: don't, am not thinking about it. Or, or, or I mean, because we would just you just say racism. I you think do I say, say
1: racism. It. I was saying anti-Semitism, but again, you're not saying Judeophobia, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Not exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so, but I
1: think. But anyway, I think that the all that structures those, the idea. What's that?
0: And that structures the idea. It structures the idea, right? Race. Right. That I, I
1: think all of those. Are, are have a phobic structure to them right and mm-hmm. I think it's and this is where this is what allows if we think that then it allows us to see that phobia can't be about uh, supporting the law it's about right. finding this way to bypass it right so mm-hmm. even though I fear that Arab other that Jewish other that racial other of whatever but like Nonetheless, I'm getting off on the enjoyment that I uh, impute to them, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the key to, that's the key to psychoanalytically, I think that's the key to racism. So I think that, and that's why, that's another reason why I think phobia really is, explains all the other ones. If you think about Mm. racism, Mm -hmm. homophobia, uh, uh, transphobia, the way that they function as a model for how subjectivity gets its enjoyment today.
0: Yeah, I think so and especially if you take if, again if you go from if you go from phobia back to the like sort of first um ide- ideas the that that we had and you can see the the you can see the function across all three of non contradiction of, right. of like it you right. know it's in it's in every it's in every single one so right. uh and and like like there I I'm not going to you know, it's it's always the like. Um, I think this is this makes a um, makes a it, it, uh, the the on the, the the racist refuses to like in the same way that the um, that the uh, the hysteric or the cynical hysteric, as I think we might call it in this, like the cynical hysteric is not will not avow that they are that they are castrated, nor the. Uh, the 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 perfect leader, the perfect master or or, or authority, uh, is also castrated, and in the same way that this time that the nostalgic obsessional is nostalgic for can't, cannot have any contradiction in it, it's the 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 uh, the race racist the phobic like can't, like they themselves do not have race, like they like they have to right. they also have to right. they have to be this this outside, and it's everybody else that has that has race and that's the problem. You know, and and but they themselves don't. Be, and that's I I I would say in that structure that's where you see the like uh even obsessional commitment to uh, a, an, an ethos of of non-contradiction that is absolutely it's not one it's not real but it's not sustainable. And so right. the only right. way you can sustain it is to hue to it harder. And I think that's what that's what we're trying to get at like it is, is un, is, is underlines the the the, the racist act because it never just it's, it's, it, it's always more, you know, the, 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 the threat of uh, like of racist violence always it, it, like, that's what, that's why it's threatening is it never is in stasis. It's always like it always either finds like new targets or new ways to target uh the, the, the same at, at risk group of people. Like that's the, right. that's the whole right. problem because right. it has to obey to that phobic structure. Cause if it can't, if, it, if you can't obey, uh, obey that, like, oh, because liberal law says you have to be nice to everybody, but so I'm going to double down on not doing that at all, like, and right. that's the way that that I'm adhering to uh, to, to the phobic demand. I think we right, and that's the way that I way.
1: overcome. That's the way I preserve some kind of pure enjoyment safe from castration, right? Like that's yes. the. Yes. So the, I think that what's interesting is so I think I really like that connection between phobia, racism. Et cetera like I think that's really important I also think it th- that psychoanalysis really has a, a i think if we think about neurosis you know Freud oftentimes will say the normal neurotic right so in a certain sense mm-hmm. everyone is normal uh, I mean everyone is neurotic everyone who's normal is neurotic right like nor- mm-hmm. neurotic neurosis is just part of the it's is part of the game right like you're mm-hmm. part of the part of the structure it's part of what it means to be a subject but mm-hmm there is such a thing as psychoanalysis and he is trying to do something. And I think it there, it is normative, right? It's normative, not in the sense of, oh, we want to make everyone the same and conform to a certain norm. And actually it's the opposite of that because it's, yeah. norm- and I think this is what's, I this is what's so great about psychoanalysis that it sees that it's actually in your attempt to be a non-conformist, that's how you're conforming. Conforming, right? like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's pretty great, but I think his, notion of normalcy is to get rid of the private reservation, like make mm-hmm. yourself engage in the public, right? There's there's this kind of almost inherently politicizing, go out in the world and fight for things, right? Like that's the yeah. fight in the sense of struggle for them, right? Like that, I think that's the real message of Freud. You know, he has this, there's this great line in, uh, in the Clark lectures, I think it's, I don't know what do they call it, like the five lectures on psych, I don't know what they're called, but it's, mm-hmm. he, the lectures he gave in America at Clark. He says this, he says, the energetic and successful person is one who succeeds by their efforts in turning their wishful f- fantasies into reality. And where this f- fails as a re- result of resistance to the external world or the subject's own weaknesses, they begin to turn away from reality and withdraw into a more satisfying world of fantasy, the content of which is transformed into symptoms should they fall ill. In certain favorable circumstances, it still remains possible for them to find another path leading from these fantasies to reality instead of becoming permanently estranged by it by regressing to infancy. So I think that he's—so what he sees as successful is someone who's able to connect their fantasy to their real life, right? Like, that, that mm-hmm. they're not keeping this private— reserve. And I just, I've always been really taken like by that. So it's not six, it's almost the opposite of success in the way that it's defined in in the capitalist world, which is neurotic mm-hmm. success, right? Like yeah. it's, like Jeff Bezos is a perfectly good <laughs> obsessive, neurohysteric, whatever. He's certainly a neurotic subject, right? Like, the, yeah. like to be successful in the capitalist sense is to be neurotic. But mm-hmm. there is this other sense of, Normality, success, etc. That's tied to breaking down this barrier between the private and the public, between the real life and the fantasy life. And I think that's, I think that's really where Freud thinks psychoanalysis can intervene.
0: That's really really nice. It's it's, be yeah. So to 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 refuse the fu- you know I even e- so okay, I'll finish that sentence first. To refuse the full implication of the other's castration. This is go. what we've. This is there what we've go. been. That's what that's neurosis is. This way of refusing the full implication of the other's castration, and we, we kind of laid out our three of the dominant ways that it plays out socially, according to like the the three structures that psychoanalysis has. And like, so we gave. I I, I think um, I don't know that we've ever said it this way, but like I I just certainly like to do this in teaching, like to give like a mundane example and then to also give the extreme example, so you can see yeah. how they how they work the same way. So like, of course the, um, you know, the racist violence being the, like sort of the extreme example. But if you can see that, you can also see how it works in a, in a mundane way. Like, I I think like, here's if you have ever been in a job interview and you thought the person interviewing you knew exactly what they were looking for, that's, you, you're, you're in this. You're in right. in the realm right. of this. And right. You think that person is not contradictory. You think that person is not castrated. Like you think you are the only castrated person, and it is. It's, but, but you know, I've only a couple times, you know, since working at Pomona, I've been on the other side of of that, and that was very striking for me because I just remember always being on the person interviewing and thinking the person, the being the interviewee, the people who are interviewing, they know exactly what they want. But really it's like, it's very much a negotiation and the person interviewing you, it gets bored because who doesn't get bored like at different times during the day? Like, like, so, but you never imagine those things when you're on the other side of that. It's very mundane, like sort of like everyday example. It's like, uh, you know, um, I think I gave this example, uh, in the earlier part of the pandemic that one of the things after lockdown that I liked was that there were markings on the floor that told me where to stand because I always thought that that was true, but it's not. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it, But it was nice f- for my neurosis to see that, right. like, to you know, right. the there was a better there was a better master that emerged out of lockdown, right. which was putting where the you need X to be in, standing.
1: You knew it was always yes, exactly. they, were, they were always telling you you just couldn't hear. It, and then now I just
0: couldn't. hear Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was I always believed that. but And, and yeah. then I was right. But I was not, of course, right. That was just right. like it, it, that was right. all, that was ad hoc after a global pandemic. That's why that happened. Right. Not right. that was always the case. You know, like um, Yeah, those are, are good is...
1: examples, Ryan. Thank I you. I like that both of those really good. And I and, and I'm gonna even I want you to be the one since you you're okay. the one that said we have a, a panoply of possibilities. <sighs> what is the lesson?
0: Um okay, so I'll I'll I'm gonna give you a lesson within the lesson. Okay. So uh super ego's telling me it's gotta be the conversation because it's great film, it's underrated coppola people ignore it uh, and we haven't said it yet
1: which is scandalous
0: we haven't said it yet which is scandalous on the show so that's um i think that is like that that i have to that i have to do that as a as a media studies professor like that's like that that's the great that would be the great like like film and media studies professor uh thing um i don't want to tell people to go to the theater or, or buy video on demand uh uh top gun maverick i don't think so there's there's like a uh there's a there's a class guilt in okay. in, in me for for recommending that so okay. i think i'm gonna go <laughs> with return of the pink panther phenomenal
1: <laughs> phenomenal that's what i would have like, chosen as well okay, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right over and out ryan
0: over and out todd